And we hear at the, the very last line of the gospel today that there was no spirit yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, what do they mean by that? Well, certainly not that the Holy Spirit did not exist yet. What, uh, what the scripture means here is that the spirit had not yet been sent. So when Jesus is talking to his disciples about um, what the spirit will do, He's, he's foreshadowing, he's saying, when the Spirit is sent by, by me and the Father, the Spirit will do these things. But of course, the Holy Spirit has always existed, right? The third person of the Blessed Trinity. From all of eternity, the Father, Son, and, and Spirit have existed. Now, how are we to understand the Spirit? Well, I'll go into, I'm going to go into more depth uh, next week when I uh, completely explain the Trinity to you. <laughs> Um, thank you for laughing, um, the, which of course can't be done, but, but, uh, but I'm going to give you sort of the traditional definition of the Trinity next week. But what we can look at this week is, is merely who and what is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so from all of eternity you have the Father existing, the Son existing, and they exist in a relationship. You, don't, you can't have two persons, they are in fact persons. You can't have two persons together without some kind of relationship. I mean, all of you who are married know there's some kind of relationship. It's not always a good one, but there's some kind of relationship. Now, hopefully it's good, right? Now, with God, of course, any kind of relationship that's going to exist between himself, father and son, is going to be a perfect relationship. And that's going to be a relationship of perfect love. All right. And since the Father has always existed and the Son has always existed, so has the love between them always existed. And this love, of course, is perfect. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and, and today, of course, we celebrate Pentecost, the, the sending of the Holy Spirit and the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit by the church, um, what in, its, in, in perhaps its most uh, pure essence that we're talking about is the love of God. God sends the very love that exists between he and his son to us, to dwell within us. Now, I chose, I heard you all trying to find the first reading in the Missalette, by the way. There's, uh, there's all these options for the vigil for Pentecost, and I did not intentionally pick the one that wasn't in your Missalette. However, um, I chose this one specifically uh, for, <laughs> for other reasons um, because I, I think it's, it's on one hand, it's just, it's really weird. And uh, on the other hand, it's so profound. It's weird. How is it weird? Well, God has us do weird things all the time. I mean, look at my life. I'm a priest. Who would do that? Um, what guy in their right mind would become a priest? Um, I've been thinking about that over and over, but I, you know, I'm stuck. It's too late for me now. Anyway, well, without going into that, <laughs> I'm joking. So kind of. So the, the, the first reading with, from Ezekiel. All right. What's weird about it is he has this vision of this field of dried up bones, skeletons. I mean, he's walking on skeletons and bones. Now, where does this come from? Where is this, this idea of all of these dead man's bones all over the place, all kinds of dead people? Well, remember that a little bit over 500 years prior to Jesus, 
the Israelites were taken into captivity by the Babylonians, right? King Nebuchadnezzar, remember that, because that's a great name. No one ever names their children that, but I, I think it's going to catch on. Nebuchadnezzar. So, so King Nebuchadnezzar takes the Jews into captivity. Now, this is a profound event in the life of the Israelites. Remember that they... That, that Abram was taken from his town and given a promised land. And then they went down into Egypt and they were enslaved in Egypt. And then Moses, right, led them out of Egypt and, and ultimately back into the promised land. So they, they believe, and, and still to this day, believe that their destiny has been given to them by God. And it actually is a physical manifestation, a particular land that they've been given. The promised land. And so it's there that they dwelt. They believe that God gave us this land. It's our inheritance. And they build, of course, the temple there. And so when, when King Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he takes the people from their land and takes them to his land, and he completely destroys the temple. Now, this is what they would do back, you know, back in those times, because what, what the Babylonians were seeking to do were to increase their population. And the, the best way to, to get the Israelites to become, as it were, Babylonians or their descendants to become Babylonians is to completely eradicate their identity. So when they take them out of their land and make them live in a strange, a foreign land in Babylonia, they lose their identity or they're beginning to lose their identity. And then they destroy the temple, the temple, the most sacred place. Where, where they would meet with God, where, where, where the law of God would dwell within the Holy of Holies itself, right? In the inner sanctuary, where um, the, the most intimate place of meeting with God would take place. This was destroyed. So the Israelites were without hope. They believed they were dead. And that's why we get this, this language and the imagery of dead Bones, dried up bones in some field because they thought they were dead. And they thought that, obviously they understood the Babylonians had, had more military might than they had at the time, but they also attributed this death of their entire race and culture to their infidelity to God. So they believed that God had forsaken them. They were, they were receiving a just punishment, but God had forsaken them. And so they really believed we... You know, we are dead. We are dead as a people. And here comes the prophet Ezekiel. And he has this vision. And God says to him, you know, go over to these bones and prophesy over these bones. That's weird, you know, but it's a vision. So anything can happen in a vision and it, it's, it's going to make some kind of sense. So he's, he's prophesying over these bones, you know, and he's asking for the spirit to be sent over these bones. And then lo and behold, the sinews start to, to be remade and, and the, the flesh starts to, to be remade and the, the bones start to come to life, as it were. And, and after a time, the, the bones, the, the, the dead bones, the dried up bones have become the house of Israel once more. And the Lord says, is saying to Ezekiel, prophesy to my people that I have not forsaken you that it is through the power of the Spirit that you will be restored and you will be brought back to your land. Your identity will be preserved. 
you will be rescued and saved once more. And of course, this in fact happens. And they're able to, ultimately, a, a stronger military force overcomes the Babylonians. They're allowed to come back to, uh, to the Holy Land, rebuild the temple, etc. Ultimately, rebuild the temple. So, why would I pick this reading? Well, you know, I think at times we feel this way. A lot of these emotions that the Israelites would have felt. We would feel that, that we're sort of dried up or tired or, or beaten down by life. Or even maybe that God has forsaken us. Or, and, and not unjustly forsaken us, but that you know, through all of the many sins that we've committed or our infidelities to, infidelities to God, that he, he justly has removed his presence from us. And we can feel as though there's some sort of desertion that's taken place. And we might ask, where is God? Where is God in my life? God is not helping me in my family. God is not helping me in my relationships. God is not helping me in, in my work or my, you know, whatever it is. This, this feeling of alienation or loss is so common to so many people. And we wonder where God has gone. And what can we do to get that back? How can we come back to life? How can the, these dead bones, you know, be, be brought back and enfleshed once more? And, you know, this renewal that takes place in the vision from Ezekiel is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we're celebrating the, the solemnity of, of, the, of, of Pentecost today, it's by virtue of the Holy Spirit that we can come back to life. It's by virtue of the Holy Spirit that we can be renewed. It's by virtue of the Holy Spirit that we can be empowered to preach the good news. So often I think we, we get ourselves into a, a point where it just doesn't matter anymore. We go through the motions. Or maybe we don't even care. You know, wherever we're at, how does that change? You know, how do we get out of these? And I think, I think a lot of men struggle with this. I, I can only speak for the men. I can't speak for the women, nor would I ever dare to do so. But... You know, I think, I think as men, it's, it's really common, you know, for a man to say, I've I got to do it on my own. I have to, I have to uh, you know, take care of myself or my, and or my family. I have to do it on my own. There's no other help for me. There, there's something about, uh, you know, manhood that, that relates this to us. And, and, and it's very difficult, oftentimes, to ask for any kind of assistance. And I think, you know, as to, have a, to have a good masculine spirituality is to be a man who, who is strong, you know, to be a man who is decisive. Uh, but at the same time, to be, to be one who understands where his weaknesses lie and where he needs help. And the, just the very clear reality that we cannot do things on our own. Now, ladies, I just ask you to interpret this as it relates to you. But... But, you know, I have found so many times, and, and I am not an incompetent man. I mean, I, I have enough self-knowledge to know that. But at the same time, it's very clear to me that I need help. And it's not just, uh, it's not like help preparing my homily, although he does, um, I think. And, uh, 
you know, it's not help paying the bills, you know, it's not those, it's, it's, I need help sustaining me throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the months, you know, just, just as a man, just trying to be faithful, trying to, to do what the Lord has asked me to do. And where does that help come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit who nourishes my soul, who gives me strength, who resuscitates me, you know, in those times that I feel dead or I feel dried up. It's the Holy Spirit that nourishes me. And so I offer to you that any time you are in a position where you're feeling, you know, any scope uh, of these, these emotions, to call on the Holy Spirit, to remember that Holy Spirit, fill me, dwell within me, dwell within my soul, and renew my life. Renew me as you have renewed all of your holy people from of old. Please stand.